Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. I have the honor and the privilege of introducing some of our dearest friends in ministry. Uh, people have influenced our lives in ways that they don't know. They've been sustainers for us in trial. Um, and we've had the privilege of just having that strategic life exchange together where um, they've leaned on us in the seasons and we lean on them. And um, um, uh, this is uh, probably the first time here that I can say that a mother and father of the house are in the house. Yeah, you're going to get stretched, Gwinnett. Listen, they're like, don't give us titles. Don't do it. And I'm like, no, actually, it's a role you play. So it's, a, it's important for us to honor that. Yeah. Right? It is. So will you guys stand as you welcome Tony and Gwinnett Portera to the platform. Come on up. Yay! Yeah. Yeah, to you. Great. Bless God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, just just the book. Okay. The book. So I guess just this is on. Yes. Okay. Uh, this probably the first time we've been back now in three years, huh? Um. So wow. not because we haven't want to be here. COVID wasn't the only reason. Uh, three years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so um, going through all of that issues and treatments um, did not allow us to travel. But I want to thank you because many of you prayed for me. And it is the God's grace that I went through it. I had my bad days. And I tell you that because all of us have our bad days. And you need to hear it from someone else. I have my bad days and I had my good days. My bad days, I had to choose to stay there or get out of it or get out of it most of the way where I felt like I wasn't under the water. Yeah. Uh, you understand? Um, and so you find the way that God can minister to you, to you in your bad days. During that time, it was the music. And some days, I didn't, when it was my bad days, I didn't want the music on. But I knew that's where he was ministering to me the most was to put the music on, get on a couch with a nice little soft blanket and the pillow and just lay there and not think about, try not to think about anything and let him minister to my spirit. Because my brain was going, forget it, Jack. All right? Because at times I wanted to be mad at God. Because why didn't you heal me? Why did I even have to go through this? But why wasn't the question is who was God for me during this time? Yeah. Yep. Amen. And I found out who God was for me. He's still the healer. He's still a, a man. Not a man. Well, he's a man and God. He's still full of miracles and goodness. Even when I was going through that. But my miracle of the part was, and I didn't realize it till like a year or two later, is not that he didn't miraculously take the cancer away is that the form of cancer I had should have spread it a whole lot faster and been in other parts of my body 
And when they took the lump out, there was nothing in the tissue around it and nothing in my lymph glands, which they were totally shocked. They would, took out two, and they tested it, they said, no, this can't be right. So they took out two more, you know, because they weren't, oh, I lost, okay, for just a second, that's fine. They just kind of said, this is not right. So my miracle was, it was contained to the one lump. So you look for the goodness of God and his miracles in every trial you are. What if you're having a bad day and someone comes up to you and just smiles at you, a stranger? A stranger. That's a miracle and a blessing from God. Because he sent someone in your path just to smile at you. So you have to look for it sometimes. Not just saying, shove it in my face. You have to look for it. Because all the gold wants to block you from seeing the goodness of God. And he is good in all things. So we're excited to be here today. Yes, we are. And I know. I, kept, I said to Tony, how long do I have to share? He goes. <laughs> I said I'd relinquish it to you any day. Tony's a talker. So one more quick thing. You see this me doing up here? This is not a me probably 15 years ago. And definitely not a me 20 years ago. You know, I'd be hiding somewhere else. I was very quiet, not very sociable, and I still have to work at it, but I'm working at it. I didn't feel secure in who I was. I grew up always the shortest one in the class. I always was teased that I was, because I was so short, so I felt like I never could be anything. But then I learned, if God created me, I'm not junk. Amen. And I'm not ugly. I may not be the model on the cover, which, you know, guys, they don't really look like that in person. That's all the makeup and lights and all. All right? Yep, photos, yep. I am not junk. But if I, God showed me, if I kept telling, my, telling myself I was not worth anything and was not good looking and was not, can do anything for him, I was telling him he wasn't a good God. That's right. I was slamming a fist in his face because he created me just like I am. And he created you to be you, to look like you, and do what you do. So everybody does something different, but it's okay because that's how great of a God he is. He makes us all look different, do different, smell different, act different, and that's good. So if you feel like you have nothing to offer for God, I'm sorry you do. Because he created you. He created you with stuff to do, to give out to others, and for you to improve the surroundings you live in. So never say, I'm nothing. Never say, well, I can't get in front of people. You may not have to, but you can. Never say, I'm going to go anywhere from God. Because this little girl grew up, never went more than an hour from her house. We never had a vacation that was not in our lifestyle. But now I've been to seven or eight countries in the world. Oh, yeah. And been honored those countries as a woman, which is not usually kosher. Okay. So never say, not me. I did. 
I was wrong. Please let God show you your beauty. Let God show you that you are special and that you can do many things for him and with the way he created you to be. Amen. That's a good word, babe. That's a good word. Sorry, guys. She's mine. I'm blessed. I know it. I love it. Well, let me just pray for a moment. Father, um, what a remarkable time we've had the last few days. What a home that your Holy Spirit can feel welcome in. And Lord, sometimes we, we, we work to have a free and safe environment for us, but this is a free and safe environment for your Holy Spirit, like a dove to come land. Doesn't have to feel like he'll get run off. He's free to be who he is and touch lives. And thank you so much, Holy Spirit, for coming, for being with us, for moving in us so that you can move through us. It's never supposed to stop with us. Amen. But I thank you that you move in us so that you can move through us. Yeah. May we not be containers that just hold you, but may we be straws or vessels through which you flow to touch the world around us. So I ask that you help me represent you well. And Father, may, may everyone here today see you because... I re represent you well. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, you know, we, uh, we talk about, everybody in here probably knows, unless you, unless you just got saved. And if you did uh, today, know that Jesus absolutely loves you. Literally with all of his life. Yeah. And uh, given himself for you, and he's not done with any of us. Thank you, Lord. But, um, you know, we too often stop there. Jesus did not just come to redeem us, and he did. But he also came to show us the Father, right? He came to introduce us to love again. And so today I want to talk to you guys about the gospel according to Jesus. Uh, we have a lot of people who preach and say they're preaching the gospel but if it's not a gospel of love, it's not the gospel at all. It really isn't. God's not mad. He's not angry with us. Look, if God wanted to do away with humanity, he could. He's done it before. <laughs> he's not angry with us, amen? He, he's uh, absolutely, I, I think he actually... I think he's, he, he gets very humored looking at us. I mean, come on, we're, we're just a bunch of kids in the playpen called the church trying to figure out how to dance before daddy, how to play right, how to get along with the other little kids. And really? We're, we're, we, we mess our diapers often. He's not a bit disappointed. And then when we try to walk, ha, 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 
fall down, we stumble, we run into things. Yeah, he's never disappointed. He doesn't go, ah, you see, you can't walk right. You must not be called to walk. Let that sink in for a minute. Next time you try to do something for God and you mess up, and the devil says, see, you must not be called to that. Everybody's walking that I know of in this room, and it's because, because you, you made some mistakes. And you don't get anywhere until you make some mistakes. Bottom line, you're going to make mistakes along the way. So much greater, so much greater than that. Uh, let me, let's talk about the gospel. Okay. Webster says the gospel in the Webster, my old big thick dictionary, the Anglo-Saxon word, God spell. God, good, and spell mixed together, the gospel. Man, God, you got a spell on me, and it's good. Amen. It's a good, a joyful message, evangel, God's word, the history of Jesus Christ, any of the four records of Christ's life left by the apostles. The New Testament definition for the word gospel means to announce good news, to evangelize, especially the gospel. King James Version says it's to declare, bring, declare, show glad or good tidings to preach the gospel. And, and yet we still have in our world a mean gospel, which is not the gospel. I'm going to say it quite clear. We have too much mean stuff being said. We're presenting God. Now, oh boy, Chris, I'm sorry, but you'll, you can fix it. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. The guy is brilliant. He can, he can handle what I, I stir up sometimes. So... I'm not going to stir it up as hard. I'm going to try to find that even balance right here. So I just have this theory, and I'm going to make it as simple as I can this time. So there, there was 400-year year period between the Old Testament and New Testament. And, and it's, it, it's said that there was no word from God for those 400-year period, the dark ages, really dark. God wasn't speaking. Have you ever asked yourself why? I'm one of those crazy guys. I don't know a lot, but boy, I can ask questions. I get before Daddy, and I ask him anything and everything. And I ask him stuff outside the box. And I ask him, I must ask him things nobody else asks because I'm, I'm hearing things that sometimes I don't hear anybody say anything about. So I've just got this theory. This is not a new doctrine. It's not some new theology that every church has to adopt or anything. So I'll make that clear. I just have this theory that there was a reason why Father God quit speaking to mankind for 400 years. That's a long time. That's a few generations. What Are they saying a generation, what, 80 years or something? And I don't know what it was back then. But that would have been like five or six generations. It's like you're going, my, my, my. No new word from God. And I just have this thought that the reason he quits, this is my thought, my thinking. Maybe, maybe the reason that he quit spoken was because he was being presented as a mean God who was mad at his people. Maybe, right? Maybe it's a possibility that the prophet's messages 
was always doom and gloom. It's like, oh my gosh, you rotten son of a gun. He ought to kill you all. But for the grace of God, thank you, Lord. And yet, then, then we, we take that and we come all the way up. When I say present day, I'm going to look back about 25 years ago or so, 26 years ago. We went to Toronto in 1995, one year after the Toronto uh, Christian Fellowship started, started to move. And it was really all about the Father's love and Father's heart. And we went there. And we stayed there a few days. We went back to our church. And all of a sudden, we started seeing things. <laughs> Hearing things. People walk in the door. We, we would see stuff over their head. Yeah. We... We started becoming, now, now that we know the word now, we didn't know it back then, prophetic. We didn't even have a, a word for it. We had, no def, we had no defining thing. Oh, we could look it up in the, in the Bible. Oh, yeah, there it is. There it is. Words of knowledge. Words of wisdom. You know, we, we could look it up and we could find some things that happen when you get baptized with the Holy Ghost to try to get some kind of explanation but we didn't have a good definition for what started happening with us. I mean, we were seeing miracles. We were seeing people walk in the door and just hit the ground, be under the power of God. We would start church around 7 o'clock. We would start prayer time around 5 or 6 o'clock on a Saturday. We would start church Saturday night sometime around 6 or 7. And we would be there till any time between 4 or 6 o'clock in the morning. And uh, just spending time with God. But we were hearing from heaven. It was a download. Now, back to that first story. What do, you, what do I think introduced that now? It was because all of a sudden, when God moved, it was all about God presenting his heart of love. And in that atmosphere, the prophetic really increases. Annalise said it in prayer time this morning. And Chris, I really believe that for this house. Love's returning. And the more and more love returns, the more and more you're going to hear and have fresh revelation from heaven. Revelation that literally changes the course of history for people's lives. That, I, I'm going to call that the prophetic right now. Revelation that changes the course of history for people's lives. Why else would God want to give somebody a word? Why else would God want to speak something to somebody other than, first of all, it's never about the person delivering. Never, ever, 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 ever. It's always about God wants the person who's hearing the word to know he knows me. Not, not the person giving the word, God. God knows me. He's aware of what I'm going through. And so now there's hope for my future. Amen? And every, word, every message you ever give to somebody, a prophetic word, should always Give them hope for their future. Should always. If not, just, just don't give it, please. If you're going to give me a word and there's no hope attached, do me a favor and just don't give it. Seriously. I mean, if, if there's no love and hope attached to it, it it's probably self-motivated. That was a teachable moment. Okay, back to... Jesus, let's get back to Jesus' is gospel. 
the gospel according to Jesus. Matthew chapter 24, I want to read it from the Passion Translation. Matthew chapter 24, verse 4 through 14. Boy, you guys are quiet. <laughs> Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 4 from the Passion Translation. Jesus answered, at that time, talking about the change of that age into a new age. At that time, deception will run rampant. So beware that you are not fooled. For many will appear on the scene claiming my authority or saying about themselves, I am God's anointed, and they will lead many astray. You will hear of wars nearby and revolutions on every side, with more and more rumors of wars to come. Don't panic or give in to your fears. I mean, first it looked like I was reading about today or 192020. Don't panic or give in to your fears, for the breaking apart of this world system is destined to happen. But it won't yet be the end. It will still be unfolding. Nations will go to war against each other and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be terrible earthquakes, seismic events of epic proportion. Horrible ep ep epidemics or pandemics. <laughs> and families and, <laughs> and famines in place after place. This is how the first contractions and birth pains of the new age will begin. You can't expect to be persecuted of every kind and killed. Good news. <laughs> We're going to get to the good news, I promise you. <laughs> and the reason I stopped there on purpose is, listen, I've, I've been around church stuff for quite a few years, okay? Um, I've got a few years to have been around that. And so here's the deal. I, I remember me and my friends used to get to talk, and we all, we'd look around what's going on in the world. We're going, must be the end times. There's wars and rumors of wars. Anybody else done that? Come on. You know, we've had those conversations. Oh, my gosh, there's famine. <laughs> Do you see all the earthquakes going on? Oh, my gosh, there's earthquakes going on. Guys, it must be the end times. We better prepare ourselves. We better... Get fearful. Let's read the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. Yes, I'm old enough to know Paul Harvey. Hmm. You can expect to be persecuted and even killed, for you will be hated by all nations because of your love for me. Then many will stop following me and fall away, and they will betray one another and hate one another, and many lying prophets will arise, deceiving multitudes and leading them away from the path of truth. There will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness, and if you're of the old mindset that doesn't understand how much God loves you, and how much we're walking in a period of grace and favor on our lives, 
You could right now stop there and you could really preach an ungospel filled message. And you could read this and stop and miss the promise. That those whose hearts once burn with passion for God and others will grow cold. But keep your hope to the end and you will experience life and deliverance. Amen. Keep your hope to the end. And you're going to get to experience my saving grace. You're going to watch how I stand and watch over my bride. You're going to watch and see just how much. Listen, I'm pumped. We're going to see just how much he loves us and his bride. The whole world's going to get to see it. They've had their time persecuting us. They've had their time bashing us. They've had their time doing everything they can do to shut Christianity. And then when it gets really, really dark, God's going to watch. Shekinah. Covering of God. They're going to look at us like, what's up? And then we get another opportunity to say, you want to know who my dad is? You want to meet my dad? Amen. He is good all the time. He can't help but be good because it's who he is. He absolutely, you cannot use the word God. And you, every time you want to say God, you can just say love. Love is good. Because God is, amen. So he, can he help but be in anything but that, really? He cannot. He has defined himself. Actually, he defined himself way back in Exodus when he says, I'm slow to anger. Rich in mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Abounding, literally abounding in mercy. That means overflowing. The vats are pouring out with mercy every day. His mercies are new, morning by morning. There's mercy waiting for me to wake up and step into. Every day I get to just step right smack into mercy. When my foot hits the ground, I'm in a pile of mercy. (laughs) Yeah, you, you were there last night, wasn't you? And the more I try to wipe it, it just gets all over me. And the more I recognize it, then I, you know what? You know what's the best thing about stepping in a pile of mercy? You get to go rub it off on somebody else. Man, have, have you smelled merciful lately? Some good stuff. Some good stuff. Amen. What a good, good God. Good news. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. I'm I'm just repeating Jesus. Yet, through it all, this joyful, I love how the passion puts it, this joyful assurance of the realm of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world. You can look at the darkness or you can be assured 
that God is proclaiming his, the realm. Now, the realm of his kingdom. I said, why, God, did they put the realm of his kingdom? Why didn't he just said they're going to be teaching about his kingdom all over the place? He said, no, no, no. When you're in the realm of his kingdom, you're inside the door. You're in it. You're not just talking about it as though it's out here somewhere. I get to walk inside of it. The realm of God's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world, providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. And after this, the end of the age will come. I love this. This is what Jesus said. So he's telling us, God, now, you know, okay, move on, Tony. Don't get stuck there. You, you, you'll lose too much time right now. So let's look at Luke chapter 4, verse 18. I'm just going to read it from uh, the Holman Christian Bible. I do this for Chris. I love it. He turned me on to that edition, and it's wonderful for studying. I love it. The Spirit of the Lord. This is Jesus. When he gets up, he's a young kid, steps in the temple. He op- they opens up the scroll to read. He opens up the scroll. He's a young boy just stepping into manhood. 13 years old, stepping into manhood. Gee, I'm 68. I'm finally getting there. (laughs) The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Good news. This is Jesus, who he is. And we're supposed to represent him. We are representatives or representers of Jesus. We were all called to be, right? So, Spirit of the Lord is upon you because he's anointed you to preach good news. He sent you to proclaim freedom to the captives. The recovering of sight to the blind. To set free the oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So a lot of versions use acceptance. Some use favor. Jesus says, man, look, it's a new era that's taking place because I'm standing here and I'm on earth. It's a new era. From now on, you're going to start seeing God as a God of acceptance and favor on every individual. He accepts us with our mess. He accepts us. Now, now this may stretch you a little bit. That's okay. He accepts us before we accept him. He accepts the homosexual before they accept him. He accepts the adulterer before they accept him. He accepts the cheater, the liar, before they accept him. He accepts just the plain old mean person before they accept him. Why we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm going to jump down. I'm going to skip a little bit. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 through 12. I'm going to read that from, um, for time's sake, because I'll, I'll get too undone if I read it from the Passion. I'm going to read it from New King James. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 through 12. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed, 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 blessed. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. 
Thank you, Father. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. This is the gospel according to Jesus. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Good news, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 through 8. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. The gospel according to Jesus. Now, you know, leprosy was the pandemic of the time of Jesus Christ. And yet, people were being shunned because they had leprosy, just like people got shunned who got COVID, who had to stay in hospitals and die all by themselves. To me, that's the, that's the worst thing of this that whole thing loved ones I, I i can't imagine i really honest can't can't imagine if my wife did get covid and i can't imagine if she'd have been in a hospital and they told would have t tried to tried to tell me i could not go be by her i really think i'd have been arrested Because it had been like, no, I'm going to get into that room somehow. If I got to go in a back door, if I got to sneak in, if I got to fight you, whatever I have to do, the only way you're going to stop me is you're going to have to put me behind bars. Because uh, I'm going to go be with my wife. I love her. She's such a part of me. I, I can't imagine leaving her there by herself going through this. It just, I, my brain has a hard time hand, grabbing, grasping that. It just. I can't imagine the sorrow and torment so many people have gone through in that. God forgive us. That was one of the most inhumane things we've done in our country in my, all of my life. Now I want to read a story and then we'll close. John chapter 8 verses 2 through 11. I'm going to read it as quick as I can and we'll talk about it. Now early in the morning... Jesus came into the temple, and all the people came to him. He sat down, and he taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. I'm going to show you how the gospel works in real life. This is how he showed us what the gospel looks like, if we're going to really be people who believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when they set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. She's already dealing with how much shame at that point. 
Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say, Jesus? Now, I say it for everybody who's preaching the gospel. What do you say? This, they said, testing him that they might have something. Now, but by the way, everybody knows Jesus is the express image of the Father, right? He is showing us the Father. This, they said, that they might have something of which to accuse him. We know who the accuser of the brethren is. But Jesus stooped down. He just, go ahead and do your talking. I, there's more important things in life. I think I'm just going to play around with the dirt until you guys finish your stuff. <laughs> you know, all, you, all, you, all you're doing is looking for excuse to bring someone harm instead of to bring them life. You're looking for an excuse to make yourself look good at their price. Isn't that what we do every time we think that we can judge ourselves as better than someone else? And so he plays, playing in the dirt. He's playing with the dirt. Why is he playing in dirt? First of all, let's go all the way back to Genesis. He made us out of dirt. Now, no, I don't want to sidetrack there. I could really easy. I want to sidetrack so bad. I'm going to sidetrack a little bit. <laughs> I can't help it. Listen, we just did a study on Genesis. It's an amazing study called Image Maker by the man who wrote the Passion Translation. Was it Peter Simmons or something Simmons? Ryan Simmons. Okay. Okay. And uh, we're doing it. We're in the middle of the study. And we're talking about how he created man out of, out of dust. And all it was was a, a dirt man until he went... Now, at that breath, a whole lot more happened than just a soul enters the dirt, because we'd still be walking dirt men. We'd... I mean, he literally formed every organ, he formed every cell, he formed the body, everything that the body can, how the body can heal itself, every bit of the DNA that's in man, he, all of that happened with the breath of God. So if we still ever think that there's something too big for God, let me tell you. All right? Oh, he breathes into man. Man becomes a living soul, it says at that time. And um, so he's able to do that. So I actually think this too because I, I'm a visual person. Man, I, when I'm reading the Bible, I'm watching the movie. That's just, that's how I, if I ever read a book, if I can't watch the movie, I can't read that book anymore. I mean, really, I, the first novel I ever read in my entire life was This Present Darkness because I watched the movie. It was amazing, you know. But, but here we are. So we read the story about Jesus taking dirt. And it, and it said he rubbed this man's eye with it to, to give him sight. Now, I just so happen to be a very, I got a big imagination and imaginations are not illegal in the kingdom. Amen. They were given to us by God. So I say, so Jesus, how come you play with the dirt? Said, I'm God. I was with God at the, at the foundation of the earth. Remember he spoke the word, I'm the word. And that's who I am. I'm the word that was spoken. And now I'm living in the flesh to show you what it looks like and how it's lived out. 
And, and yet at the same time, he's, he spits down in the dirt. I got a hunch he made him a little ball. Opened the guy's eye socket and stuck it in there and he saw. Is it possible? You guarantee it. Because he knows what we're made of. Now, let me see. Okay, the kids aren't in here. <laughs> I, I, I'm at a funeral. I'm at a funeral. And a friend of mine walks over and he says, Tony, he says, you know the script, what the scripture says? I said, I think I know quite a bit of what it says. He says, yeah. He says, scripture says we're butt dust. I'm at a funeral. He says, you know we're just butt dust. <laughs> and I love to play with words. All the time I play with words. But I'm trying, I got a family that I got to care for. I'm not supposed to look happy. I'm not supposed to be laughing. Everybody's supposed to be sad today. <laughs> and I say that on purpose too. <laughs> Sometimes we take ourselves way too serious. Amen? But I mean, but we really are but dust, right? I mean, but for the grace of God, we are but dust. I'll separate the two for your sake. Now that your imaginations are gone... Now that I have messed everything up. Okay. <laughs> Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. The medicine. No, okay. So let's have some fun anyway, right? So be Jesus stooped down and he rolled on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. Man, as though he did not hear the accusations. You know what, what's our number one problem that you and I fall, fall prey to that Satan tricks us in? We answer accusations instead of questions. As believers, we should never be answering an accusation because it's not a question. There is a big difference. If someone comes to you with a presumed answer accusing you, that does not demand an answer. This just, that's lanyap. That's a little something on the side that wasn't part of this. But I'm just giving you something in wisdom in that. We don't have to answer someone's accusation. Because accusations come from the pit of hell. They're coming from the accuser. I don't have to answer. I'm not obligated to answer that. Jesus himself didn't. Amen? He just wrote on the ground as though, I don't, when, in other words, you got a question? When you ask a question, we'll talk about this. But until you have a question, I'm not answering you. Amen? Amen. So, okay, that was just a, another teachable moment. It was there. So when they continued asking him, now they're asking again, he raised himself up and he said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw the first stone. And again, they stooped down. he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And they who, those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw that no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? 
She said, no one, Lord. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Here's the rest of the story on this one. So this woman's caught. Her accusers are standing before her, accusing him, saying, Jesus, we have a right to stone her, according to the law. So Jesus just, let's go ahead and raise it up a notch. Let's just, you want to live by the law? Let's go ahead and say if you really have a legal right. He that's without sin, go ahead and throw a stone. Well, God, her sin's worse than mine. <laughs> Let's just laugh at that one. <laughs> Their sin's worse than mine. Oh, my gosh, God, I can't handle my kid. My kid's doing stuff that they ought not do. And we forgot about our teenage years. Or our young adult years. And God was able to save and reach us. In our garbage, in our mess, in our filth. And yet, we're going to be judging them and pointing fingers at them and everything else. And, it's, and so, man, Jesus, when it's all said and done, the only one left standing that had a right to throw a stone did not. Think about that for a moment. He was the only one without sin. He even said, let him without sin cast the first stone. So in other words, he has the right. If a stone's going to be thrown, he would have been even justified by the law in God's eyes. But he came for humanity. He came for humanity. And he, he looks over at her, he, get, he gets up, and by the way, he stayed lower than her the whole time, not because he was trying to dodge the rocks. <laughs> because he wasn't going to be, I'm God in this situation. Presume that, okay, I'm going to lord something over you. No, he stayed lower than her the whole time she's standing there weeping, wondering what her fate was. And she's guilty. She's absolutely guilty. And I got a hunch some of those guys in the crowd was guilty of even having sex with her. That's my, that's my opinion again. And yet, it's like, okay, if we can kill her, then word don't get out. That's how people are. I mean, listen, people are crazy. Yeah, I, I could actually tell you. Ben Franklin said, beer is, God is great. Beer is good. People are crazy. Everybody's going to go out and get a Ben Franklin t-shirt. Now I can hear it. I can see it. So, so, here's this woman. She's caught her whole fates on this moment. Now, now, I want you to get a glimpse of this because it's important that we understand this, that we are presenting God. Listen. I stood up here, and you know what my prayer, all night long, I woke up five or six times, and they asked me how I slept. I slept, I, I slept great. But when I woke up, I was talking this about God. I said, God, when I stand up in front of these people, I want them to see the real God. I want them to see you, because that's how Jesus was. He said, Father, that they may know you. 
that they may see you. That's what his life was representing. So we can see the real God. The real God. The real Jesus. Would the real Jesus please stand up in the body of Christ even? I mean, we represent him. So if I said would the real Jesus stand up, that means us. And would the real us stand up? And knowing this loving God, this God that is so full of love. Love's returning, man. Love's returning. Yes, 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 yes. There's something about that statement this morning that boiled me. And here's the deal, in a good way, by the way. And here's the deal. It's like, this woman, she's there. And she's, what's he going to tell me now? They left. He goes, where's your accuser? And now she's facing the Lord. He goes, uh, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, here's a... He never mentioned a single word to her about her past or her present. He only looked at her from a future tense. And that's how he looks at me and you, and that's how he looks at your kids. That's how he looks at your spouse. That's how he looks at your neighbor. That's how he looks at everyone out there walking on planet Earth. He's looking into their future. And that's what we should always speak into. That's what we should always be the Jesus that we need to be is into their future. He never even mentioned her flaws. Now, this is kind of, it's a wreck a little bit of your theology because it's like, well, we need to, because I used to preach, I used to think that my job was to make everybody cry and feel very ashamed on Sunday morning so they'd come to the altar for prayer. I did that. And I'm so sorry, but I did that. Because I don't know hardly any of them that are still walking with God because they never got to connect with his love. We tried to fear people into the kingdom too, many, too much. You, cannot use, you can't use Satan's tools, which is fear, to bring people into the kingdom of love. It's illegal. I cannot shame someone into the kingdom of God. It's illegal. Yes, amen. We, we can't do it anymore. We just can't do it. It's not right. It's not right. Because most of the time, I never really got him in the kingdom. I just got him feeling so guilty that all I did was reinforce the shame and the guilt that Satan wanted to give him from the get-go. Because when you feel shame, I don't care how powerful you feel in the kingdom, but the moment you feel shame because you saw your humanity, you, out, you blew up or you said something, so all of a sudden you were reminded of your humanity, and then Satan wants to come and say, shame, 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 shame. You can't trust God right now. You can't pray for somebody else because you have a hard enough time praying for yourself and believing. Now, at this moment, you don't feel like you're such a child of God like you did on Sunday morning. I know all about those things. i got to fight those battles, too. Not I, but Christ in me, the hope of glory. Amen? So, this woman, when he gets up, she looks at him and he goes, I don't see any flaw in you. She was caught in adultery. I see no flaws. I see no sin. He had a right to. He's God. He already knows. Looks at it. He says, I see no sin. Go and sin no more. Let me tell you. She looked in those eyes of love, and she was forever transformed and never left him another day of her life. She followed Jesus for the rest of her life. She was just, do you not know that the love of God 
the kindness of God leads people to repentance. Do we not know that? That the kindness of God. So I'm telling you, it, it'll work with your kids. It's working on ours gradually sometimes. Choosing to love them unconditionally. Choosing to love them benevolently. Regardless of the stuff. Why, have you, why even have a talk about the stuff? Because the stuff's only there to hide love. The stuff's only there to stop me from being able to love them well. The minute I judge someone, boy, this is gonna, this is, this, I'm going to leave you with more questions than answers today. The minute I start judging another human being, I'm eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Oh, no, this is a good act. No, no, this is a bad act. This is good. This is bad. Knowledge of good, good and evil, back and forth. And I'm judging you according to that instead of according to the tree of life. I'm judging you that instead of according to love. Love covers a multitude of sins. You want to reach your kids that have been seen isolated from you? Love covers all of the past mistakes you've made. It may not happen today, but if you keep it up, love will be a balm that will heal all of the past between you and your kids That have been separated, broken relationships. Love is the balm that's going to heal your broken hearts. One thing I prayed for, and we sang it in a song. I have been praying this whole week, God, heal our broken hearts. And I don't know how you do that other than we literally say, Jesus, here. I know you guys have been broken so many times. I know the brokenheartedness of a divorce. We, we have friends that are divorced. We, my wife has counseled with people. Are just so. You know what? I don't care, man. I, I got a friend right now. He's had three divorces, and, and he can talk mean about his wives and sell, sound real tough and everything else. But every single one of those bro divorces broke his heart. And the only way he knows to handle it is to try to Talk like it's nothing, like X or this or that. Talk about stuff other than the real issue. I'm walking around with a broken heart. And I don't know anybody that will come alongside of me and say, man, let's, let's just bring it to Jesus together. Yeah, come, on. come on, man. Let's just bring it to Jesus together. Man, it, it, it breaks your heart when your kid... Steps into something that you know, and you know, and you know it's going to hurt them. And they choose that route anyway. I'm talking about adult kids too. You know, and it's like, it, it breaks your heart. And the problem is we just think that we're just supposed to go on and we don't deal with that brokenness. And so I carry it into every relationship. I can't let you get close enough to me because my heart's been broken here. I, I, I got to keep... You had a little bit of a distance because you might break it again. Somebody else might break it. And we're doing an injustice to this, wor justice to this world if we don't let God heal our broken hearts. Because they absolutely, you can only give away what you have. And if you have a healed heart, you can heal hearts. And if you'll just start letting love conquer 
your heart. Let love conquer that brokenness. So, Father, I'm just going to pray right now in Jesus' name. It's a holy moment, and we're standing. We're standing it. It's like God. I feel like I'm. And uh, right now, where we're on this cliff, it's like, am I willing to trust God with my heart all the way again? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know how to live without my broken heart. It's, it's almost become like a familiar spirit. Ouch. It's like I'm so familiar with living with this brokenness. How would I live in freedom? I'm going to tell you right now, the good news is you'd live wonderful. You would live with such a joy and such a light load. You'd, you'd be lift, have a load lifted. I'm proclaiming liberty today to the brokenhearted. In Jesus' name. This is the year of favor and acceptance. So, Father, we take that broken heart. And go ahead and think about it for a moment. Which ones? Is this the one where my kid cursed me out or my kid wrote stuff bad about, on Facebook about me and how bad of a mom or dad I was? It hurt so bad, God. And I, all I knew how to do was either get angry or just figure I had to suck it up. And I can't suck it up anymore because it sucked the wind out of us. So, Father, right now, I'm just going to give it to you. So go ahead and in your, in your hearts and in your thoughts, just say, Dad, I give it to you. Just tell him. Just say, I'm tired of carrying this. It's holding me back from being all I'm supposed to be. It's holding me back from, from just knowing how good you love me because we think we broke God's heart. By the way, we never have. He's never been disillusioned because he never had an illusion in the first place of you or me. He never had a false illusion of us. So we, we didn't surprise him by being human. Thank you, Father. Heal the brokenness right now. Pour in oil. The oil of gladness for the spirit of heaviness. Joy for mourning. I feel like God really is releasing. I, I, I actually see in my mind's eye right now, I see angels coming along, walking the aisle saying, I'll take that. I'll take that. And it's like they're, they're doing an offering. It's like an offering. They're collecting baskets. Uh, give me that brokenness. And they're just filling up the baskets as, just so they can bring them up to God and say, here, pour them in your bowl so when you pour it back out, it's going to rain down goodness and grace on the earth. It's all healed. So it comes out as grace afterwards. Some of your brokenness is supposed to be the times you're supposed to learn to love others well. Not to get bitter, it's to learn to love others that are going through the same things as you. So we just say in the name of Jesus right now, just release. Release your brokenness to him. Give it to him. Go ahead and just give it to him. In Jesus' name. We lift it off in the name of Jesus. I declare you as free. I declare you free from the brokenness. 
I declare your heartbrokenness be gone in Jesus' name. He's the only one who can take it. He came to heal the brokenhearted. Take a deep breath in and just breathe it out. Let it go. Chris, I give it back to you. Aren't you glad? Praise the Lord. Will you guys say thank you to Tony Gwinnett? Heart upgrades. To have his heartbeat for people. To no longer walk in judgments. Heart upgrade. Yeah, he's been working on this house with brokenness. And so it's just so interesting you preaching that word. Because last week we talked about the brokenness and how to abandon it to the Lord. So you just like a whole different angle, another level, and uh, we receive it. We want to walk in that where it doesn't matter what thing repulses us in the moment, we can have his heart. Whatever that arena is, we can have his heart. Amen. Yes, we can. Yeah, we're, we're called to be bridge builders. Not, you know, in the kingdom, we're called to build bridges, not walls. Yeah. And, um, and, and I believe that uh, many of you here today are already in the process of building bridges across uh, maybe aisles of faith and maybe aisles of politics and maybe aisles of lifestyles because the love of Jesus needs to get in there. Yes. It needs to get in there. Even the one that makes your skin crawl. But you don't see how. It's not your job to see how. It's not your job to, like, just, you just say, yes, Lord. Yes. Right? Yes. So let's stand. As we close out our time, and we just want to say yes. Yes. To the Father. So, God, we just say yes to you. Come on, just say yes. We say yes to your calling. We say yes to the destiny that's on our lives. We say yes to build bridges without compromising you. We say yes. God, I thank you that your door is always open. When I notice that brokenness and that brokenheartedness, those areas of my life, I could just run to you with it. You won't withhold any good thing from me. You're a good dad. So, Father, we are so grateful for the freedom that we have in you, and we bless your name today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.
wonderful.